Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. The podcast series has been created to shine a light on the diverse and inspiring careers of Australia's pharmacists. Each episode will focus on the varied career opportunities within the pharmacy industry by exploring the career paths taken by leaders in the fields of community pharmacy, hospital, industry, government and professional organisations. Careers never follow a defined path. Everyone's story is different and unique in their own way. The podcast series will help you discover the world of opportunities that exist and reveal pathways to achieve your dreams and aspirations. Whether you are a pharmacy student, early career pharmacist, or simply looking for a change at any stage of your career, the podcast series is designed to help you navigate ways into a career and a life that you love. Your host of the podcast series is Ali Sue. Ali, herself a pharmacist, is now the founder of Global Pharmacy Entrepreneurs and a passionate advocate for pharmacists to grow, innovate, excel, and make a lasting impact in the world. It's now over to our host, Ali Sue. Welcome to episode four of Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. I'm Ali Sue. Today, we're very excited to have Elise Apolloni on our show. Elise is a community pharmacist and owner, credentialed diabetes educator, asthma educator, and a mental health first aid instructor. She is a PSA and Guild Branch committee member and passionate advocate for the role of pharmacists in the Australia healthcare system. Elise became a partner in two pharmacies when she was 25 years old. She has had a steep and exciting learning experience of pharmacy ownership, leadership, and management. Her pharmacy capital chemist, Waniasa, has received a number of industry and business awards for their innovative health service approach to healthcare. Elise also is a mom of one little human, three chickens, one dog, and has a very supportive pharmacist husband who joins her on this crazy ride called life. Let's welcome Elise. Hi, Elise. How are you today? Good, Ali. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We well, can't wait to hear your advice and for our pharmacy students and intern pharmacists to learn about how to create a successful pharmacy career and stay positive. Happy to help. <laughs> thank you. So tell us about your story. Where did you grow up? I grew up here in Canberra. So I was born here and was here for all of my schooling. And then in, I think, year 10, I had a serendipitous moment in my career where I had to go on work experience. I really wanted to go to the local video shop because I wanted to get sort of an after-school job there on my days off. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, the gods had different things in mind for me and I was lucky enough to get a position at my local pharmacy to do work experience. And really the rest is history. So that sort of, you know, sliding doors moment. <laughs> video stores aren't uh, too popular these days, but pharmacies, I feel, are just getting started. So it was a good sort of switch and just a serendipitous moment where my careers advisor said, no, you should do something in health. So yeah, <laughs> and here we are. So when did you start your pharmacy ownership? I became an owner in 2013 after a couple of years of sort of pipeline planning to get there in terms of having, you know, a bit of an idea of, you know, where I wanted to be working and who I would be in business with. And so, yeah, it took it took about two years. It was meant to only take a year, but as with these things, you know, 
surprising situations happen and things change and situations, you know, all get flipped around. And so, yeah, in I think it was July of 2013, I became a partner in two pharmacies. And then in 2018, I joined another two partnerships as well. Where did you get these opportunities? Was it offered to you or how did you get those opportunities? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sometimes it is right place, right time. I I have worked for a pharmacy group my whole life that definitely allows young people the opportunity to own pharmacies, particularly when they probably aren't in a financial position necessarily to be able to afford them. We have sort of an internal funding mechanism which makes that happen. So I went to uni and prior to going to uni and the pharmacy I was working at, the Capital Chemist, I really loved the family vibe and the feel about the pharmacy. And so I had thought to myself, you know, I always would, I would like to create this environment for other people in the future to work in. And so when I was at uni, you know, when I go back and like read yearbooks and things like that, I I had always said that I wanted to be a pharmacy owner. I just loved the opportunity to create that environment for my community and my my team. And so that sort of always sat with me. And then in my intern year, I remember having a chat to now one of my partners about my interest in pharmacy ownership. And she was very supportive and understanding and also understood my Gen Y (laughs) gene and the fact that this wasn't something I felt I could wait for for years and years. I was really keen now. And so I wanted to make a difference now. (laughs) And she arranged for me to meet with some of the more sort of senior people in Capital Chemist and, and sort of get some ideas about where I might take my career. And the rest is history. So then, you know, a serendipitous maternity leave break for her meant a management opportunity for me. And then from there, I I became partner there. So that was very lucky. Yeah. But I suppose the things that sort of helped, I was really keen to try anything. I used to beg to be able to do the staff roster, which on reflection, you know, I hate rosters now, but you know, everything. I just wanted to try everything. I wanted to give everything a go once and I didn't love everything that I would take over or or try and improve or try and work with, but I certainly just wanted to have a go at least once at everything and, and I was enthusiastic and happy to study on the side, happy to stay back and, you know, do what I had to do to make sure the pharmacy was where it needed to be and then ultimately that led into ownership. So we know that you're also a pharmacy practitioner board member. So what's your role and how did you become a board member? So the pharmacy board regulates pharmacists in Australia and in partnership with APRA. And the role of that sort of entity ultimately is to protect the public. So I am a passionate pharmacist and I love being a pharmacist, but I'm also very passionate about making sure that the patient or, you know, the end receiver of our care has a good experience and if for whatever reason there isn't a good experience that we make it better for them next time or we make sure that, you know, next time or, you know, future interactions are more positive. So I had a mentor, have present tense, still very (laughs) much respect this particular pharmacist. I had a mentor approach me and say, you know, you should really, you should really give this a crack. And I was very sceptical and I wasn't very sure, but I thought, you know, it never hurts to put in an application. The worst thing that can happen is they say, no, you are not eligible or suitable or whatever it may be. 
And so I put in an application, which actually is then reviewed by the government, so health ministers and things, and I was successful. So I got the ACT practitioner member position. So the board is made up of pharmacists and community members from all different backgrounds. And I am a pharmacy owner and also a preceptor to pharmacists So I, and a younger pharmacist. So, you know, I think we all have different qualities that we bring. And I suppose that sort of grassroots practice is one of the one of the perspectives that I bring to the board. Speaking, yes. What are some of the lessons you learned from those people that, who shaped your career development? Mentors come in all different shapes and sizes and times and moments. And sometimes it's just, you know, the person that you can always talk to or, you know, vent to or share ideas with or, or say what you really think to. Sometimes mentors are people who you actually don't want to be like. So some of the mentors I've had in my career, you know, I've observed and I've learned things that I, I think to myself, well, that obviously works for them. But, you know, the lesson I'm learning from having this person in my life is that you know, I need to try not be like that, which isn't a, a negative criticism of them. It's just more that it helps refine the kind of pharmacist and practitioner that I want to be. Some mentors that I've had in my life have come at moments when things were tougher or when I had, you know, I needed to hear some hard truths about where, you know, my career was going or, you know, how our business was performing or whatever the tricky situation was at the time. But ultimately, I think they're people that you trust, that you can have full and frank conversations with that are generous and happy to share their wisdom and not manipulate or do anything untoward with the information that you're sharing that ultimately are working towards a good outcome for you and, you know, you and your career. And I think equally some of the mentoring relationships that I have, you know, they're not always people that have been pharmacists for longer than me, you know, equally interns and pharmacists that I work with are equally as inspiring. And, you know, I think there's something to be learnt from everybody, students, pharmacists, interns, people who are very esteemed in their careers, you know, everyone's got something to offer. So one of the questions from our students, uh, how do you approach, how do you reach out? What did you do? So there's been a variety of ways. Obviously, right now, it's really tricky being COVID because conferences have always been a really easy networking opportunity for me. So I would go to a conference, I would have, you know, drinks or whatever, whatever event there was, and you'd, you know, strike up a conversation with a very incredible pharmacist that you think, oh my goodness, I'm adding them to my list. You know, And then it's not always a formal relationship. I think sometimes people feel like there's this official email that says, I am your mentor and you are my mentee or whatever it may look like. But that's not often, in my experience, what actually happens. It's often like an informal sort of, you know, bouncing of ideas that I'm sure there are formalised arrangements too. And I have had those in the past as well. But it's just a lot of the stuff is just ad hoc you know, sort of checking in with people and just having that network of people that if you've got a question, you know, you can reach out to that particular person with that skill set to sort of help improve, you know, your practice. I, over the years, receive emails and, you know, Facebook messages and things from pharmacists and students and interns, and I'm always more than happy to kind of respond. But, you know, as to whether it's a formal kind of, will you be my mentor? That's not necessarily how the conversations go. I think it's good to be clear about what you want. I am on LinkedIn and sometimes I'll get a message from time to time that will say something like, you know, a very general question will say, hi, Elise, 
what are your thoughts about pharmacy in Australia? You know, just a really broad question. And I've got so many questions in return. I'm like, who are you? Am I the right person to chat to you? You know, it's good to kind of say where you're coming from so that when and if, you know, your person that you're trying to, you know, connect with is replying, they sort of know the realm with which they're trying to assist because there is a lot of messaging and communication particularly on LinkedIn which isn't necessarily genuine <laughs> so, so you know and it is just for a sale or whatever so it, it can be hard to sift through the genuine requests versus you know the people who just have an automated message that you know sends every time they make a new connection so yeah I suppose yeah making your position clear explaining what you're looking for or what you would like to know and you know not being afraid to to ask I mean the worst thing that can happen is they don't reply or they say no but you if you never ask in the first place I don't think anyone's going to tap you on the shoulder and say oh may I be your mentor <laughs> necessarily <laughs> so you sort of just have to put yourself out there you know I'm sure it's like dating you know you've got to take some chances to to strike gold so yeah yes exactly think of as dating That's so right. you have to give a few career dating yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the qualities and skills pharmacy students can develop during that university time to prepare for that successful pharmacy ownership? Yeah, I, I think there's a number of things that you can do in your student time. I think students often perceive that that time is, you know, almost like they're stuck in the mud. They can't do much, you know, you've just got to pass before all the magic happens. But the reality is, from the day that you set foot in a university, you have choices that you can make that will determine, you know, the ease with which you move into different parts of your career. For example, there's always opportunities to get more involved in, you know, many parts of a university, not least your pharmacy school club. You know, you can get started in that sort of networking process of, you know, being part of NAPSA. NAPSA has connections with most of the peak bodies in pharmacy. There's, you know, opportunities for students to give feedback and to be across the issues that impact their profession. Then you've got wider things. So, for example, at uni, there was a rural health club. So that was actually a collaborative of many different professions and disciplines, not just pharmacy. And so I could liaise with, you know, other people, radiographers, nuclear med students, nurses, trying to sort of, you know, formulate those cross-professional partnerships. And then there's other groups altogether at university, you know, that might have political persuasions or, you know, viewpoints that they, you know, want to share or, you know, present to others. So I think even at a student level, you have an opportunity to step up and to, to, to take on different tasks that ultimately give you a step up in the profession, I think. I personally got involved with NAPSA when I was at uni and I found it very, very helpful. And just the connections and the realisation that while the pharmacy world looks really big when you're a student, the reality is pharmacy is a very small profession and it's really easy to network around and get to know people. And honestly, I can't actually think of ever being at a conference in my career and going up to somebody or talking to somebody and thinking they really didn't want to talk to me and they hated me or, you know, I was not worthy to talk to them. I've never felt that way. I think everyone's really friendly and approachable because that's the nature of a pharmacist. We are community minded and we work with people for a living. So it's it's a nice kind of human, <laughs> generally speaking, that you can talk to. I think as well when you're at uni, 
There are some things that you can't necessarily gain from your studies in any large proportion. So mainly business skills, I think, is something that does lack from a lot of pharmacy courses that I have an awareness of in that, you know, not everyone wants to take that pathway, but certainly you're at uni and you can learn the clinical stuff. And if the clinical stuff is really well embedded, then when you leave uni, you are hopefully a really competent pharmacist. And so then you'll feel more confident to take on new study or sort of new, I suppose, specialisation if you hope to have a career in pharmacy ownership. But certainly, yeah, I mean, a uni can't teach you absolutely everything you're going to ever have to know <laughs> and, and nor can an internship for that matter. But it's just a matter of, you know, making people aware of where they can improve themselves over time. What's your advice about, you know, on job training versus external training? So I am really passionate about people working on the job to learn things. I think it's awesome to have the theoretical knowledge of your degree, your qualification, but there's nothing quite the same as being on the ground and and experiencing that firsthand. So I think it's really important. In terms of CPD, I think everyone's different in how they upskill annually. You know, we obviously have annual requirements to maintain our registration. And I suppose with time, your requirements change. So some years, some years, you know, it's particularly earlier in your career, you know, I find I was doing a lot of clinical type work, you know, I was reading a lot of articles, journal articles, I was, you know, then answering the multi-choice questions associated with that going to conferences. But then over time, it's sort of evolved for me, you know, I'm still very interested in that, that side of pharmacy. But, you know, I might do a training about leadership or about mentoring or about emotional intelligence or sort of things that, you know, aren't necessarily about, you know, a medication, for example, but sort of help expand my scope or expand my ability to perform my role. And yeah, and it's not always how you think, you know, it's not always reading, you know, a pharmacist specific magazine, or it's not always attending a pharmacy conference, you know, there's lots of related experiences that formulate what can contribute. I've done volunteer work that's counted in terms of, you know, bettering my communication skills. I've done all sorts of weird and wonderful things over the years. I've trained others and counted that as sort of training points, I suppose, or group three points. But yeah, there's a massive, yeah, array of options. (laughs) And, And the point is that with time, I think we get a bit better at identifying what we don't know, you know, when we're working and you think, oh gosh, you know, that's that's new or, you know, I really need to brush up on that and sort of take a note down of, okay, I need to go look into that and <laughs> and mm-hmm. take and put some time aside. Sometimes it's hard to know what you don't know until you sort of have been thrown in the deep end. Yeah. What are some other opportunities for growth in this area in community pharmacy? I think that community pharmacy is in a great position to keep helping out communities at a grassroots level. I I actually get a little bit emotional actually when I think about it in the last few months particularly. We've had patients that have not necessarily been able to experience their normal health care in the last few months for many, you know, understandable reasons. We're in a pandemic. People can't move the way they want to move around their community necessarily. People can't live their life like normal, but their pharmacy has always been there. You know, it, it's not changed. Maybe maybe you can't sit on as many chairs. Maybe it's not suggested that you touch as many things or maybe there's sort of a suggestion that you might sit outside and wait as opposed to inside if, you know, there's lots of people around and social distancing. But the point is 
that has not faltered and I'm really proud to be part of that network of pharmacies providing that care. The opportunities for us in the future are to continue to help people. I think when you have that at the front of everything that you do, for at the front of your mind, there's only good that can come from helping people to the best of your ability. How can I help people to the best of my ability? Well, I'm sure there's health services and health connections that we can make in a community pharmacy ongoing that will help patients in an immeasurable fashion, whether it be, yes, from helping their mental health, from having pharmacists with specialties like diabetes education or sleep apnea or asthma management or, you know, immunisation or whatever it may be. The point is, you know, I think the more that we are open to being flexible for our community and meet their needs, the more that opportunities will continue to present themselves. And that's certainly been my experience. You know, you find a problem or you see a gap and you work out a way that you as a pharmacy can help in that space. And then you offer something that may help people who are falling through cracks and then ultimately you've innovated and then you've helped the community in a better way, in a unique way and hopefully in a rewarding one as well. Mm. What that's something you would do differently if you restart your pharmacy career? Have you thought about that? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, you know, people are very quick to say, oh, you know, just dive in and, you know, oh, no, I'd never change a thing. I'm sure there are things I would change. I think I probably could have been more patient early in my career. You know, it's just the nature of the generation I'm in. You know, it's hard to sit with long-term thoughts and not act on them. You know, once you've made a decision or, you know, a thought about what you want the future to look like, it's very hard to go, oh, that might be 20 years away. You know, that's a really confronting thought for someone who's a Gen Y. But I think that, you know, on reflection, if I'd known what the future was going to look like, you know, hindsight, I probably wouldn't have been as stressed at the time about getting to the goal that or, you know, whatever the goal was at the time that I was after. But, you know, you have no way of knowing, do you? So you just kind of do what you have to do at the time. You know, I think over the years, my approach to others has changed. I think, you know, at times in my career, I'm sure I had lacked insight and lacked the ability to, you know, be the best version of myself all the time. And I still don't think I'm perfect. But, you know, I'm certainly, you know, just like anyone, if I'm very stressed, if I have a lot going on, you know, it does impact my ability to be the best version of myself. And so I'm sure that there's been times earlier in my career where I could have done better or been better, you know, whether it be for others or, you know, in situations that I found myself to have better outcomes for patients or team members or whatever that may be. But it's all a learning experience. And, you can't change what's happened or, you know, <laughs> just have to sort of learn from it and grow from it and, you know, constantly be striving for self-improvement. Hmm. So if you were counselling a student about to graduate from their course and wanted to select an internship and not knowing where to start, what's your advice for them? Oh, this is a this is a favourite topic of mine. I, I really, <laughs> I'm really quite passionate about this. So I often feel that people are so caught up in getting a position that they don't necessarily have a think about what it may feel like to be in that position. So what I mean by that is sometimes you can walk into a pharmacy and it might look amazing or it might have all the bells and whistles, but 
who are you working with? You know, who is your preceptor? Who are the team members that will be nourishing you as you grow into hopefully a generally registered pharmacist? So I think instead of focusing on, you know, proximity to, you know, your home necessarily, or do you have to work weekends or not? Or is there a late night shift or whatever that may be? I think that where possible, focusing less on that and more on who are the humans who are the pharmacists and pharmacy assistants that will be building me into the best pharmacist I can be? And are they invested in me? And if you ask questions, you know, in your interview, because of course, it's a two-way street. So I expect that when we're interviewing prospective interns, that they'll have some questions for me. And, you know, often I'm wanting them to sort of make sure that they feel that we would be a good choice for them. You know, are we going to help them practice for their exams? Are we going to, you know, make sure that they're learning on the job and make sure that they have opportunities, plenty of them, to interact with patients, but also learn, you know, management skills and time time management skills and problem solving? Are we just going to, you know, slot them into one role and make them do that for 12 months, which is not necessarily how pharmacists are you know we often are doing lots of different things at once and trying to juggle a few different hats as well so I think you know picking the person that you want to train you is a really important process so that mentor and preceptor person needs to be someone that you know can take you through that crucial year really well and it might not always be in the area of pharmacy that you expect I think you know certainly just you know locally Often there is, you know, a real competition for hospital positions comparatively to community pharmacy. And that is neither here nor there, you know, the the positions that are available are available. But, you know, we can change at any point in our career. A generally registered pharmacist can shift and does shift. I've got many friends that have changed back and forth over their careers, you know, and well out of just community and hospital as well. So I think the fixation on where it is necessarily isn't as important as who, who are the people that you're going to be working with and how will they make you the best pharmacist they can be because you only get one intern year or one intern period to really solidify that experience and, you know, those learnings. You don't want to waste it. You want to make the most of it. Mm, Great advice. Wow. So last question, if you had one piece of advice for our pharmacy student into pharmacists, both personally and professionally, what would it be? I think it would be to just create the world that you want to live in. (laughs) If you want to go to work and feel inspired and interact with your patients in a meaningful way and really care about, you know, that experience. You know, being the example that you want to see in the world is a really good start. Creating that environment for yourself will hopefully make others around you think, hey, you know, I really, you know, they seem to really like their job. They seem to be rewarded by it. You know, what are they doing that can make me, you know, like what I'm doing even more? I think leading by example, you know, creating the environment that you want to work in where you can influence that and yeah being the example that you'd like to see you know in the rest of the world or in other pharmacists or practitioners that you work with I think it's a really good start Mm. yeah well (laughs) thank you so much for your time Elise no problems at all thanks for the chat (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of the your pharmacy career podcast proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency 
If you enjoyed this episode and know anyone else who you think would benefit from it, we would be grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we help even more pharmacists develop a career and life they love. If you have any questions or suggestions about future podcast episodes, please reach out to us via email info at ravensrecruitment.com.au.